Welcome to Blanketing Covers. I'm Danny Getz, and with me, as always, is John Trainer. Hey, John. Hey, Dan. So we are we are back to a choice of mine today. I had a hard time not picking this one because it is one of the most successful covers in the history of music. We are doing "I Will Always Love You," the Dolly Parton song. I'm really excited about this one. I didn't, did you always know that it was a cover? The first time I ever heard it, it was presented to me as a cover. Mm. There was like, and I had never heard the original. Like there, this is like, we'll we'll talk about it more when we get to it. But like the the Whitney version is like the first version of this song I ever heard for years. Like yeah. even, even knowing it was a cover, like I had no idea what the original could possibly sound like. Yeah, I, I don't think I heard the Dolly version. I mean, definitely until I was an adult, but the, the Whitney version was so like ubiquitous on light adult FM radio yeah. that I it I like mostly associate it with terrible. Like just being <laughs> bored and and ten. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. And you know, who better for us than our our significant others to to go through a long, long list of the most significant breakup song in the history of music? <laughs> so I'll I'll introduce I'll introduce Meg first. We we have we have Meg Getz chart chart topping comedian with her new album One Last Rad Thing that you can find everywhere. Meg, welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and we're we're also joined. We we, we have kind of a, a duo here. We have John John, your wife Caitlin is with us. And, right. and also your baby. That's right. Not his first appearance. <laughs> yeah, he, he he's had one episode with us in, in full. He was pretty quiet for that one, but I have I have a hunch does the way the uh the pre-up has gone here that uh we might be hearing from him. So yeah, just wanted so. to mention it before we got too far. Caitlin, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. So what was what was your kind of impression of this song before kind of diving through all the many, many covers you were asked to listen to? <laughs> Yes, I did not realize how exhaustive of a list existed, but I'm like you, Dan. I also was introduced to this song as with Whitney Houston. I never knew that Dolly was the original until this whole podcast preparation. So my mind was kind of blown when I saw how many times this song had been covered by so many artists. So what about what about you, Meg? What was your general idea of this incredible breakup song? Yeah. <laughs> What's crazy is I don't know if I've ever listened to the full song before this. All I remember from was like waking up in the middle of the night in the 90s and them having those like long, like those CDs of like 50 different songs. Oh, yeah. You know what yeah. I'm talking about? And this yeah, was yes. always the one that was on. So it was just like that snippet. Oh, yeah, that's like the every now and then one of the, the titles was yellow and you got to hear that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and there was there was another one that like had like a river. I don't remember what the song. Is I, I always just remember like the 
uh, I can't even remember what the song is now, but it's 38 special. And they were always like, we got 38 special. And then it would cut to 38 special. I'm like, all right. It was like yeah, about a highway. They're time music classics. I remember yes, that. that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. So that's what that's that's my core memory of this song. I was trying before we did this to watch The Bodyguard, which is where the the Whitney cover comes from. And in the movie, there's a scene where they're hearing the song. So even in the movie, it's a cover that she's doing, but they're not covering a Dolly version. They're covering this version by, I don't know if they ever actually say it, but it's a guy named John Doe. And it's just, uh, they're in some country bar and the two of them are dancing. And Whitney literally stops and just starts laughing. And he's like, what? And she's like, this song is so depressing. <laughs> and he's just like, yep, it's just one of those songs where it's about somebody leaving somebody. And it's like, yeah, you nailed it. You summed it up perfectly in those two That's lines like of dialogue. <laughs> That really shows you how little I listened to it because I thought this was like a love song again until I listened to it for the first time to prepare me too. for this. Yeah, yeah, me too. Well, Same it, here. It, it weirdly is a love song because I I do get that very sincere impression that she means it when she says it, but it is a breakup song. Yeah, it's like goodbye. I will always love you regardless. Yeah. I will never see you again. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Like the, the story of this song, though, it, it is almost worth its own show just for the history, not, not going through the covers and all of the, the, the stuff that kind of came when the 90s brought it back to life. But like its own history in the original sense is just insanely emotional. Dolly was a, a young country star trying to make it in Nashville and her song Dumb Blonde had come out and it got her on the radar of Porter Wagner, who had the biggest show in country music that it was a nationally touring show. It was like four million people a week watched it. And he hired her to come on and just be like the pretty girl on his show because the current pretty girl on his show was leaving because maybe because they had an affair. No, no one confirms or denies, but maybe because they had an affair. So he hired he hires Dolly Parton and they work together for seven years. And she basically goes to him and is like, I'm being held back here and I don't want to leave here, but I, I need to be able to, like, go pursue a solo career. And he was just like, no. And she went home and wrote this song and then came back and performed it for him in his office. And he was like, all right, go ahead. <laughs> that is nice. Yeah, so he is then, it not like a it's not a romantic love song then? No, it is it is for sure a like like I can't deny everything you've given me, but like I'm gone. Like I'm leaving now. That's so nice. It it that colors <laughs> the song differently. I kind of like that better that it's not romantic then. Yeah, and it's it's very weird because even in the interviews I listened to with her trying to fit, like find out more information about this, no one ever wants to say that they had a romantic relationship because like she was married and he was married, but her being married hardly seems like a thing in the, in the past few years, she's basically been out all over talking about how she's had an open relationship, basically their entire marriage. So like, that doesn't seem like a real part of the story, but it always comes up. They're like, oh, she was married. But like, 
So what? <laughs> I see. So maybe it was romantic. They're like there, there probably was something along those lines happening there. And he, he produced the song. So he was making money off of this song. And that was his only like, you got to let me do this so he could still like get something. And they, they went their separate ways. And then he just went total ego hurt and just started kind of talking trash about her everywhere he possibly could and sued her for a million dollars, which was not something she had at the time. And she was just like, yeah, fuck it. And paid him a million dollars over time just to be done with it. Wow. Which feels like a weird kind of ending to this story because like they seemed like they were on as good a terms as you could be on in this type of kind of ending. But they, they later, they became friendly again and they, they kind of reconciled fully when he fell on hard times and owed the IRS a bunch of money. And she just went and bought his production company for all of the money he needed to pay the IRS and then just gave it back to him. Oh my God. You know, wow. I've always heard that Dolly is like, you know, saying Dolly. Yeah. And I mean, we, she, I know she has a program. I was telling you before, she has a program where any child in America under four can sign up and they'll send them a book every month Yeah, from Dolly Parton. And uh, that's, that's the only thing that I really knew about her, but I, I mean, clearly she is. <laughs> Yeah. And like, that was just one of those things. Like she just had the idea one day and was like, how do we make this happen? Like I remember hearing that when that first kind of came out and it was like, you can just do that. Like, why don't more rich people do cool things? And didn't she, didn't she also like help fund the Pfizer vaccine as well, or at least help with research for that? There there's like weird conflicting stories with that, where it's like, maybe just rich people have their money everywhere, but also, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was contributing to being able to do the research quicker. Whether whether she meant it or not, it did happen. Right. <laughs> well, I was kind of surprised to see how many covers there are of this song. And I, I think like the Whitney version kind of just kind of opened the floodgates for it because like she held this one close. Like she did not give this song out to anybody. Because like even even Elvis wanted to record it. And she was just flat out like, no. Such a baller move. Right? It's like, tell Elvis to go away. (laughs) Apparently, the deal he was asking for was because he was Elvis, that like it would be making her so much money for him to do one of her songs that he would get a cut of the publishing. For like anybody who did it ever, he would have like a cut of publishing. And she was just like, no, like this is my song. And one of the coolest quotes I've ever seen is, yeah, I told Elvis no, and I was really happy. Or I was upset about it for a while, but when the Whitney version came out, I was really happy about it. Plus, that one made me so much money I could buy Graceland. <laughs> Which, yeah. oh my God, what a badass. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I, yes, I, I may have to pick up like a Dolly biography then. Oh, the, the Dolly autobiography is is worth it i I can only find snippets and research trying to find the specific to the song here but like there there's audiobook clips i could find and there was her reading it and it's 
it's pretty wonderful. <laughs> the other the other fun fact with this song before we jump into the covers, it was after performing this song for Porter Wagner in his office that she got in her car, drove home and wrote Light of a Clear Blue Morning, which is one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard. That's like, this song is responsible for that song. She also wrote this song on the same day she wrote Jolene. Wow. Which, what? (laughs) It's a hit machine. Like that, that was apparently another one of those things that was just like crushing Porter Wagner's ego is that like everybody wanted a Dolly song and she just kept churning them out and they were all hits. They're like, like there was the one thing I heard where it was his regular guy for like the songs he would do solo was putting out like one a week and she was turning in three and four and five a week over top of his and his wasn't even getting played anymore. That like she was just crushing it. Like this era in like the early 70s that she had just hit her stride and like no one was stopping her. That's so amazing. The that that era of like, I know that it was pretty common back then that you know there were singer-songwriters in Nashville that were just like cranking out yeah. songs, but I don't know a lot of others that were cranking them out that were that popular. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean it took it took her a while to break as a singer. Because everyone was like, your voice is weird. But then like once Dumb Blonde happened and everybody was like, oh, wait, women buy women records. They were like, no, you can sing. That that actually is a very fun part of country music history where they're like, mostly women listen to country music, but women don't buy women. And then as soon as there was like a female star, they were like, oh, shit, we were very wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Caitlin and Meg, can you believe that some man got that wrong back then? Yeah. I know, right? Yeah, what are, what are the odds? Man's that, uh, mansplaining what women like to listen to. Yeah, yeah men are never hard wrong. to believe. Yeah, it's hard to believe, right? The, yeah. the weird part about that for me, though, is that early 70s man was like, these ladies just want to be horny. And it's like, <laughs> like, that's weirdly progressive while giving women no credit. <laughs> But horny, horny because of a man only. Yes, that's it. (laughs) So do you want to jump into the covers? Yes, I'm so excited. All right. So we're going to start. We've talked about this, doing this as a feature on on past ones, but never have they shown up so prominently as they have with this one, where the artist is a prominent feature on covers. There are three separate versions of this song with Dolly Parton singing the background duet part. They're they're all varying degrees of good, whether you like the other singer, but Dolly is basically the same on all three. (laughs) (laughs) Dolly shows up and whispers, sings her way through the second verse, and then sometimes they let her do the talking part, and that's it. That's the Dolly contribution. But, I mean, she did a a Kristen Chenoweth one who... If you like Kristen Chenoweth, it's great. She sounds a lot like Dolly Parton to me, so I'm like, all right, I'm not sure why we needed to duet this one, but... She always kind of sounds the same in everything, too. She's got that, like, Broadway performance. Everything goes big with her, and I I don't hate it. I I do like her voice a ton. There was the the Vince Gill one, which actually charted again. The, The... 
Whitney was in 92, Vince Gill was in 95, and it was the third or fourth time this song is charted on one of the charts, which is amazing to me. That like people are just like, no, keep giving me this song. I, I know, I know, I know it. Just give me the song. <laughs> but I, I think the one that that stood out the most for all of us, and it's his first official entry into one of our our countdowns here. The, the number 11, we're adding 11, just so we can give him credit where credit's due. The Michael Bolton version actually kind of rules. Michael Bolton has a hard time not being Michael Bolton, you know? Oh, he Michael Bolton's all over it, for sure. <laughs> That's why I like it. I I, I don't know if it's like the the Valentine's Day thing which we talked about last time it came up on this show, where like knowing that he knows he's kind of a joke makes it seem so much more sincere to me. And like now I like hearing him sing more. I think I agree. I think it actually might be this show and having to listen to him sing other people's songs that's doing it for me. But now, like, when I hear, you know, because you hear the same song over and over and over and over, and then eventually it gets to the Michael Bolton one. What is the Michael Bolton song? I couldn't name a single Michael Bolton song. I can't name one off the top of my head. (laughs) Is he just, should, should we be paying more attention to him on this show? Is he just, like, a king of covers? Like, he has Honestly, to have his own hit before all of these happened, right? Yeah, I feel like all of the, like, that's the point of the show is that there's all these things that we're missing that now we're, like, learning about. And somehow it's Michael Bolton. <laughs> he, uh, he does when a man loves a woman. Oh, that's, that's right. That's a cover, too, though. Is it? Because that, that, That's Percy Sledge. Who the heck is Percy Sledge doing? He's the guy who sings when a man loves a woman. <laughs> <laughs> he sings go the distance on the hercules soundtrack that that might be that might be an original i think that might be the one <laughs> <laughs> got one. Oh, how am i supposed to live without you i think is the oh. one which Very, if, yeah if, if it doesn't jump to mind it the, the one that you get the iconic michael bolton image from is the how am i supposed to live without you video like that the kind of curly hair blowing in the wind that that comes from that one ah yes the classic imagery (laughs) now are are you ready to to get into our top 10 do it all right so we're, we're we're breaking the mold here a little bit with our with our number 10 but i i do agree with its its placement on our list we are going with the italian version l'amore sweet two by katherine jenkins i thought this one was just beautiful yeah this was number three on caitlin's list and i think i had kind of glossed over it because we we always have a segment at the end of like these are the foreign language ones that stood out to us so normally i kind of lump the foreign language ones together and listen to listen to them separately but when you sent in your list i put this one on and i was like 
Oh no, this is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, and it's not just uh, this Catherine Jenkins. It's with the Prague, the Prague oh, yeah, well, Symphonia. Yeah. Yes. Let's say yeah, the Prague Symphonia and Anthony Inglis. And I'm just a sucker for violins. <laughs> I I found myself kind of gravitating more towards this type of instrumental with this song too. And I mean the opera voice and the the violins and everything on here, it it's very, very perfect for this song. It's quite perfect. <laughs> It's really pretty. Yeah, it's really pretty. I like, I didn't list it because I'm not, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'd ever choose to, I don't know if I'd ever throw this on, you know, at a party or something. <laughs> I feel like more so with this one and maybe because like the main cover is a soundtrack song, I, I couldn't help but put myself in that headspace of like, where would this be in the movie? And like, this one has a very firm place in the movie. Hmm. Yeah, to me, this is like <laughs> they'd play this version and, the, you know, in like the second half of the credits, they switch to a different song. That's like yeah. a totally different feel. <laughs> yeah. This is the one. This is the one that they would play. Yeah, I feel like this is like yes. the end of a Pride and Prejudice where the leads don't get together and yes. this plays you into the credits. <laughs> don't even joke about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I can kind of see it in a mob movie and like a, yeah. I don't know, like a, oh, sure. a killing spree kind of scene where it's like mm. kind of in slow motion. Put, putting a hit out on your own family and you have to yeah, deal with it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, when they're walking back from the docks. Yeah. It's they're, the, yeah. They, they're dealing with the heavy emotions of what they just wrought, but they had no choice but to do it. <laughs> exactly it's like the end of the irishman but but yes, there you go that's what i was that's what i was envisioning but i couldn't think of the name of the movie yeah and I, I now want to go back and see what they chose because it was the wrong choice <laughs> writing them a strong word letter about this yeah scorsese's gonna hear about this <laughs> all right number nine I had this one ranked ranked very high for a very long time, but then there was a lot that bumped it down and it ended up not, not even cracking my own top 10. But we have the Chase Holfelder, which if if there's not like some trashy Netflix drama that like has a murder montage and it didn't set it to this, like <laughs> this is perfect for that. I looked this guy up a little bit. And he does like he, all covers, right? He does like a YouTube series where he takes songs and he, he redoes them in a minor key to make mm -hmm. them sound like dark and brooding. Oh, so he, he's just gone in for that like action movie trailer spot. Like one one day they'll want this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, on this this is on Major to Minor Volume Two, which also has Over the Rainbow, uh, Kiss the Girl, uh, What a Wonderful World, All I Want for Christmas Is You, Beauty and the Beast. So like he's got a thing going. Yeah, wow. this one sounds menacing. Like if I heard someone say this to me this way, I would be like, no thanks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't have to love me anymore. It's okay. 
This is yeah. very haunting. Yeah. yeah. This is the, no, I was actually breaking up with you. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta admit though, this was the cover I was kind of waiting for because it was like so out of the, I don't know. It was just a very different take on the song, like a very haunting take on it that I really appreciated and liked. There, there yeah, was something really about it. Direction. Yeah. We're like, I, I think in the back of my mind, I knew that there was one that was going to sound like this. My son was strapped to me at the time and he was sleeping and I had, the, <laughs> I was really rocking out to it. It really kept a lot of restraint <laughs> <laughs> to not wake him up. Yeah. The, sometimes these, like when you, when you get obsessed with covers, uh, speaking from experience, you run into a lot of these YouTube types. And oh, so yeah. I think I maybe looked into it too quickly and then sort of dismissed it because it was a, it was a YouTuber that does covers. Um, but I'm glad, I'm glad you picked it because listening to it now, it's like, I think I enjoyed it more this time than I did the first time around. I don't think I paid enough attention to it. That is the weird thing about every one of those covers as much as like, Every time a trailer starts and it's that kind of heavy shift to a minor key, I get real eye rolly about it. But then if I hear it I'm like by itself and it's not in the trailer context, I'm like, all right, maybe I get it. I see why they keep doing this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it gets the effect that you're going for, right? It's like, it's like a hack. It's like taking the, the thing that you're familiar with. You have one feeling towards changing it around a little bit, flipping it on its head, and now it's like a different feeling, but it's still familiar, yeah. it's kind of uncomfortable. Oh yeah, it's, it's whole thing is like, wait, I'm supposed to feel good right now. Why don't I feel good right now? <laughs> All right, now we're, we're moving into our, our first number one choice. We, we have John's number one choice. That <laughs> uh, I'm interested to hear your, your reasoning. <laughs> we have the Gabby Barrett cover. Yeah, <laughs> let's listen to that a little bit. Have you ever heard of Gary Barrett before, Gabby Barrett? I have not. I don't know anything about her. Me neither. Caitlin told me today that she is maybe like an American Idol singer. Yeah, I had to Google her. I think she was on American Idol. That makes sense, actually. It does I, make sense. It does make sense. And usually I would sort of skip past something like this, but I think they're, I don't know. So I listen to them all. Like I, I, I'll wait to share my thoughts about the other one until we get there. But like the, the progression of covers around this song is like, it starts off like a very nice country ballad, right? And then like, it starts to get closer to the Whitney version. And then it kind of pulls back a little bit and becomes more country again. And then someone like Gabby Barrett, I feel like, I feel like she, uh, she like melds the Dolly version and the Whitney version better than any of the other ones. Where like the, ins the instrumentation has like that country feel. She's got the Whitney sound. I know nobody can match Whitney, but she has like that sort of Whitney, Whitney style voice but with like a little bit of a twang. I don't know, it just does it for me. See, I I love her take on the chorus. 
but she does all of those runs yeah. that make the chorus stand out. She does them throughout the whole song. So like they're no longer unique when she hits them. They're just like, oh no. It sounds like she's one of those like crank organs where like it just keeps like <laughs> whirling around. And like, alright, that's just that note. You can just keep spinning that note around. Alright, alright, alright. I get that's it. A fair you know how criticism. To do it. That's a fair criticism. I think some of it's the instrumentation for me and maybe less Gabby Barrett. I mean, like this guitar solo right now is pretty ripping for uh, I Will Always Love You. I mean, there's only a handful that chose to go guitar solo, and I I don't know that it belongs. See, it works for me. (laughs) This one, it, it fills it out just enough that the guitar solo doesn't seem like it comes out of nowhere. But there's a handful of other ones where it's like, well, I don't really feel like doing the talk part. What if I just did this crazy guitar lick here instead? Yeah, it made it interesting. Yeah, it made it interesting. Like this was this was kind of a tough one for me because there were like a lot of them are a lot of them either follow the Dolly mold or the Whitney mold. And that is true. I'm also I'm a big fan of the Dolly version. I'm like less of a fan of the Whitney version, although I recognize that it's good. <laughs> yeah, I understand. <laughs> and uh, we, we may hear from him later, but I've been having a lot of conversations with, with Brad Stasel this week about, yeah. about I'll Always Love You, who's a, well, we'll say, we'll say, I yeah, we'll see what he has to say. Yeah, this is the one that I could see, I would, I think I would keep listening to after this is the, is the Gabby Barrett version. That's fair. I think that is the goal of this anyway, is to to find the one you want to keep. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, for me, that was easy because it was the default answer. But you <laughs> you found Gabby Barrett and I, I'm happy for you. Yeah, I may have to dig more <laughs> into Gabby. No, there there are a handful that that did stand out to me that I, I might actually put on in place of the Whitney one, if I ever want to listen to this song by itself, because they they create a more even mood. And the next one on our list is a is a perfect example. It's the Parcels version. Yeah, this one this one's really cool. I it's done for the Australian radio station Triple J. Um, they do a series called Like a Version. And uh, bands come through and they pick a song to play. Uh, they're all on YouTube, but a lot of them are on Spotify too. And I find myself listening to them often. I definitely like how it was different and how they put their own spin on it. It wasn't my favorite, but I did appreciate that. Yeah, John and I both had this down at our number seven. Parcels is a really cool band too. They're like a very smooth sort of, I don't know, not soul. It's a, I guess it's soft rock, like a smooth soft rock band. Uh, yeah, I don't think I know them from anything. Yeah, it's great, and yeah, they're they're great. I I like them a lot. Like, I think maybe I would have ranked it a little higher if. Well, no, you know what? I think actually seventh among I will always love you covers is where they belong. Yeah, I think I think that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> I would recommend checking him out more though. He disagrees. <laughs> He's like, no. <laughs> He's gonna disown his dad for this opinion. 
<laughs> It'll be the first of many opinions, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, the, the next one, I don't know what my impression of the Fruit Bats was, but when I hit play on the Fruit Bats version and this is what came out, I was kind of just like shocked by it. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know what I thought the Fruit Bats were, but I didn't think it was this and I love this. Yeah, they're like a folk band. Like in the style of like Devandra Bernhardt or like um, uh, the tallest man alive, like that two thousand sort of folk folk revival sound. Oh, there's there's definitely a tallest man sound to this, and I, I have such a hard time with with tallest man on earth because like it's it's very seasonal for me, but I I feel like this one is just enough different from that that they might actually be bridging that gap where I can listen to this in the springtime and not feel like I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's nice. I like the ones that are like, I, I really am reactionary and this one wasn't like, it didn't get me like pumped up like some of the other ones. My list is very... Um, like the ones that I found exciting and like this one's really pretty, but it just didn't like excite me the way the other ones did. This one is, it's nice. Yeah. It's, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree with Meg. I, I was, I kind of ranked mine the same way. I, in a very superficial and subjective way. Like I had to, had to do something. It had to be a head bobber for me. Yeah. <laughs> this was nice, but not a head bobber, you know? It's not interesting enough for me, but it's nice. I agree with you. I like. I thought I was gonna like this one more. I thought I was gonna like this one more, but like the more I listened to this playlist and kind of tried to absorb them all, like I found less and less to kind of grab onto in this one. I kind of, I think, latched on to it not being like the most beautiful voice ever. Well, that's. that's the other reason why i was like is this a bob dylan impersonator doing a dolly parton cover i mean thank you i had the exact same probably (laughs) kind of yes yeah yeah i think that is that is who they are yes (laughs) that's exactly what they do okay well i I would not be surprised if their catalog had like nine dylan covers (laughs) even like tallest man on earth like that that's like the main thing. And I'm like, yeah, I love this. This is my genre, I think. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see it in a little bit, I think. But there's also a, there's another like slower, softer version of this that I ended up liking a lot more, which mm-hmm. kind of kicked this one way down. Yeah, I, I have. I know the one you're talking about. I have it way, way up there also. But uh, we're not there yet. Now we're, we're at what John thought would be a, a controversial choice here. And... <laughs> Ultimately, it turned out to be uh, pretty pretty well appreciated by everybody. But the University of Memphis, uh, was it Bottom Line? I didn't write down the whole name. The University yes. of Memphis Bottom Line, which the I assume to mean just the, yeah, just the bass parts of their, their orchestra, I'm assuming. 
That's right. I didn't look too much into this band. I assume they change lineups regularly because they're a yeah. college band. Yeah, I'm assuming uh, they graduated everybody since they made that. <laughs> I usually skip past like college. There's a lot of college acapella versions on Spotify, college like instrumentals. Usually I pass by them when I saw an album called Tubas in Love. I was like, oh, I got to at least check it out, right? <laughs> yeah, and, how do you uh, just skip that? Right at this part right now, where all the tubas come in, and I know how that sounds when all the tubas come in. <laughs> but it's so beautiful. I, I I really struggled with like, can I rank a bunch of tubas over Whitney? And the answer I mean, is yes. I mean, yeah, I think you, you did. just did. Yeah, you did it. <laughs> I was very skeptical when you introduced my, the song to me. I was like, because when I think of tubas, I think of polka. And I'm like, I don't know where this song is going to take me. But I was pleasantly surprised on the journey it took me. And it is, I, you know what? I'm, I'm a tuba believer now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a huge fan of ska. So I, <laughs> I, was, I gravitated towards this one. I really liked it. I appreciate that, but do you know a lot of ska bands with tubas in them? No, but just horns in general. Oh, totally, totally. Yeah. I I do really appreciate, because like, like Caitlin was talking about like associations with with tuba, and for me it is just like heavy people walking in cartoons. (laughs) And like, (laughs) to hear it be beautiful is very nice. It is, right? I mean, it's a nice departure. Like, yeah, yeah, the Tubas in Love album. I haven't had a chance to check out the whole thing, although I did add it to my list. But like the the lineup is just I'm gonna say all bangers. We got like really? Earth, Earth Angel, <laughs> uh everything I do, uh, I do you it know, for you. Classic banger Earth Angel. <laughs> uh they also do Kiss the Girl. Uh, Why does everyone love that song? I mean, I, I do know. also, but like, what? I don't know. I kind of do want to take a little detour here, though, and play a little bit of the all tuba version of Kiss the Girl. All right. See, this already sounds like fat people walking to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got that farty sound. Tuba's yeah. got that farty sound, you know? Somebody's having a rough day. See, this one doesn't do it. I'm going to turn this off. I I think maybe there's something special about uh, I'll Always Love You and tubas that just fits so well (laughs) together. I mean, it forces you to, like, take your time with it. Like, the the song is meant to be considered, and the tubas have to fall in line whether they like it or not. Yeah, I mean, we're describing this tuba, this all tuba cover as like a subtle take on I will always look. It may be the most subtle version in our list. Peaks is a show in which comedians have lively discussions about the most memorable peak periods of the actors, musicians, and athletes that dominated pop culture. John Koppel and a guest break down what each celebrity accomplished, why that person's work resonated with so many of us, what caused the peak to end, 
and so much more. All of season one is out now for your binging pleasure, and season two features breakdowns of icons like Mike Tyson, John Candy, and Leonardo DiCaprio. You can subscribe to Peaks wherever you listen to your podcast, and as always, it's brought to you by our friends at the Wasted Robot Network. really comfortable with just spoiling what the number one answer is because like every everybody knows everybody knows what the answer is D- despite john and meg trying to uh knock it down everybody knows <laughs> what the number one answer is. i don't accept it yeah can but we like, get into it can we get into it now because what like i can't, i couldn't put it as a number one because it's like it's too familiar it's the one i started off knowing it like has a lot of connotations so like i just never want to listen to that song like how do you feel about it meg yeah it's kind of the same i'm like it's good it's classic but it's like i don't know it's again it just didn't it doesn't do it for me maybe it's because of my like my first time hearing it being those like cheap or whatever but i i don't know i feel like it's i feel like a uh, a jerk being like Eh, it's not for me. It's one of the greatest songs ever, but I just thought there were more fun verses on the list. I literally wrote down for my number one, this should be the one people listen to. I, I don't, I don't disagree with yeah, that. It should be, you know, it, it's a, it's a entirely different thing, but and I love yes. It. Yeah. But the only reason I, I feel comfortable with, with spoiling our number one answer here when we're only at number four, is because, and, and I, I hope John didn't look this up or l- listen to any of the things I sent him for research, because at one point he's like, I have a hot take. I think the Whitney version is based on the Linda Ronstad version. Whoa. And I was, and I was like, oh, what, wouldn't that be cool? John, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> Whoa. Amazing. That, that is legitimately the story behind that song. David Foster, who I'm sure everybody just knows as the banana from the banana split on The Mass Singer. He was the producer on the song and Kevin Costner came to him and was like, I found it. I finally found the song that's going to be the perfect song for our movie. It's this song, Told in Dolly Parton, go, go find it. David Foster send somebody to the record store. The only copy they could find is the Linda Ronstadt version. So he hears it. He's like, absolutely. This is the song. I can do this. And he plays the Linda Ronstadt version and writes the Whitney Houston version of the song based on the Linda Ronstadt version. That's amazing. That's amazing. Cause when you, okay. So let's listen to that a little bit. There's a very fun fact about it. After, after we listen, I'll, I'll tell you, the major changes he had to make from one cover to the other. This is... Like, there's so many similarities in the way that she sings it. And I know Linda Ronson is obviously not Whitney Houston, so, like... The, I mean, maybe the... Maybe the quality is a little different. Like, I guess like Whitney is an amazing singer, right? Like nobody could disagree. But I feel like Linda Rodstad deserves more credit here 
than than Whitney gets, you know. Now, I I don't I don't want to downplay just how good Linda Ronstadt is. Like the the level of success that Whitney Houston had in the '90s, Linda Ronstadt had that success in the '70s, '80s, and a little bit in the oh. '90s. Like she was huge, and because her voice is incredible. Totally. Totally. So like, I like this, I enjoy this better than the Whitney version. It doesn't have that like 90s sheen on it. It like, I think it lives up a little more to the original. And it sounds more like an homage than like, I don't know, yeah, like tearing it down completely. And she has a lot of the vocal inflections that Whitney does that I think make Whitney's version iconic. And you know the thing that the Linda Ronstadt version doesn't have. Uh, tinkly bells. <laughs> no, it does not have that entire third verse. Oh, the key change? <laughs> it, it doesn't have the talk verse at all. It is just not there. It happens with this weird solo. And like, this is, this is the other example where the solo fits and makes sense. But also, I think because in my head, I know the words are supposed to go there and it's just playing yes. the words. That's interesting. But that was the thing when David Foster got permission oh. to do the song, Dolly Parton was like, oh my God, of course I will let Whitney sing this song. I cannot wait to hear her sing that verse. And David Foster had to be like, there's a third verse? What the hell? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, so I after- what Whitney thought of, of Linda Ronstead. I- I feel like anybody who sings is a fan of Linda Ronstead. They're like, she has such a, a kind of high place with like vocalists and like rock star vocalists. Yeah, I mean, it was only like the, the Linda Ronstead version came out in 75. Mm. And I think, unless I'm wrong, I think I Will Always Love You came out on Jolene in 74. It was, it was first out in 74. Three no, it's it written in seventy three, released in seventy four, and then again she released it in the eighties with Best Little Horror House in Texas. So she she was bridged or bridged by Dolly covers, but yeah, yeah. So like Linda Linda Ronstead, like it took a pretty like what would be an iconic song, and then turned it into a more iconic version that then Whitney was able to stand on the shoulders of these two women. And then Whitney gets all the credit, and I'm supposed to rank her number one just because. <laughs> Get out of here, Meg and I won't have yeah, it. This isn't right. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll we'll talk about it when we get to the to the Whitney one. There, there's a very distinct part, and it's not the vocals for me that push the Whitney one just above everything else. We'll talk about it when we get to it. Uh, I love the I, teaser. This is the perfect time for an ad. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, but before we move off of the the uh, Linda Ronstadt spot here. One, I want to recommend the Linda Ronstadt documentary that came out in 2019. It's incredibly well done. It really celebrates her and her voice. And it's incredibly depressing because she no longer has the function to sing with her voice. So really? it's some, some disease that she has and it's de degenerative and she just can't sing with the same power that she could before. So she doesn't really do it anymore. It's incredibly depressing, but up until that part where they focus on that is just a 
fantastic celebration of Linda Ronstadt and it's worth a watch. But also, since we're, we're also talking about Dolly Parton here, the trio albums, Trio 1 and Trio 2, that it's Dolly Parton, Linda Ronstadt, and Emmylou Harris are two of the best country albums I've ever heard. Wow, I'm going to have to check that out. I'm on a bit of a country kick lately. Yeah, they are. They are just their their voices together are just so good. And we, we talked about how like Dolly Parton wouldn't just give songs away. But like, that's how much she regarded Linda Ronstadt, where I was just like, no, yeah, you you do it. Go do it. <laughs> that's so interesting. I always thought so like my impression of Linda Ronstadt was was like, you, you know, your mom or dad has their record and never plays it. Both you of know. my parents. Yeah. There, there's, there's two records in my parents' collection that was just a duplicate when they put everything together. And there was Linda Ronstadt and Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> yeah. It's like a perennial dollar bin album is a Linda yeah. Ronstadt album, you know? And so I always treated it as a dollar bin album, like not worth listening to, you know, but I don't know. I may have to go back and, and, and go down a, a Linda Ronstadt rabbit hole here. I mean, she, she had a stretch where she was, legitimately the biggest name in rock and roll and that just kind of gets kind of brushed to the side because what you're saying we're like everybody owned it it's like yeah like everybody owned peter frampton too but it doesn't mean it's a full throwaway album like it mostly is but <laughs> i was gonna say i don't know if i agree i feel like peter frampton also belongs in the dollar bin yeah, P- Peter Frampton had a gimmick but then he, everybody forgot that he could also play guitar really really well <laughs> We'll, we'll do a Peter Frampton episode one day so I can tell my fun Peter Frampton facts. But uh, are you ready to uh, move into our top three? Yes. Absolutely. Now, now this is the one I believe that you were referring to, John, of the, the slowed down being much more successful, and it's the Viking Moses cover. I think the the electric guitar and the piano together is a really cool combo. Yeah, I, I always kind of like that kind of sparse electric guitar. I don't know if it's because I'm a woman, but any dude that did this song, I was kind of just like, this is going to sound terrible. Men are fine. But I was just like, uh, <laughs> I mean, knowing the history of the song and knowing how much it is based in like taking back your agency, I I can see that being a valid complaint with any dude voice. I don't need I I'm not and I'm not saying like guys can't do it. I I don't know. It's just like I like the the ones with women singing it better, I think. Because you know, they have like the range to sing it more. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I mean, I just think like the guys. I maybe because they like it. It sounds like a lot more sad. This one felt particularly sad to me. Like it sounds like he's singing through his tears. Yeah. I it had like Morrissey vibes, and it just. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I looked into this guy a little bit. Uh, the band's called Viking Moses. Um, this is like a, the kind of guy that would tour the country and like bring his guitar and play kids' living rooms, yeah. you know? And so like, I, I, I definitely hear what you mean though, that like, if a man tried to sing this, I think earnestly if it wasn't like stripped down it would be a lot harder to take i don't think i could take it uh and like i kind of wish that there was a woman that did like a stripped down version like this or the fruit bats and like once it gets to the talking part i kind of i start to check out a little bit but yep. the the way the way he does the kind of <laughs> raspy chorus i really like yeah, I wonder why there isn't a woman like that. Uh, there must be, right? I hope someone it's, it's listening be out there, yeah, can send us like a yeah, like a, a stripped down version that a that a woman does. Yeah, the only man allowed to sing this song is Michael Bolton. That's my. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he had the Dolly seal of approval. Yeah, he crushed it. <laughs> the Meg gets rule, we call it. <laughs> <laughs> Only Michael Bolton. <laughs> that is that is the weird thing we had with uh, Angel of the Morning, also, where like as soon as the perspective shifted, it became a lot harder to listen to it and have any fun with it. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is one of the things I like about covers, right? That it like the whoever's doing it and the choices that they make, like say something new about the song or like color it in some new way, or maybe like it makes me see the original or other versions that I like in a different light. I don't know if this does, maybe it just, maybe it just shows that men have a hard time relating to this song. (laughs) Or maybe it just is like a really sad song. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe he had it right. And the pop singers are just coloring it in a, I don't know, poppy, upbeat kind of way. Yeah, I mean, the the Whitney version, like, it has the benefit of an entire two-hour movie happening before it to kind of build the emotion so it doesn't necessarily have to stay sad. But it does kind of feel like it needs a little of that. Because, like, the Dolly version, especially when you get to the talk part and talk about like songs being ruined in the covers by like sticking to the original too much like the talk part in the dolly version the original i love it because like it's not poetic it feels like she is literally just saying this to somebody who needs to hear it but then to hear so many people do it it's like Mm -hmm. no you're just repeating what she said like you're you're not bringing something to this like you're just here to do it so like that part kind of took me out of almost every cover. <laughs> yeah. Starts to sound disingenuous by like the sixth time you hear it. <laughs> yeah. And that, I mean, we're not, we're not there yet. We're at number two. You ready to do number two? Oh, absolutely. All right. This is easily the most fun I had listening to any of these. Uh, disco as hell. And it is beautiful. Gloria Gaynor. I think this is 90s too. I don't even know if this is disco. Is it really? This is like, yeah, this is like club music, you know? I love this one. I didn't make my list, but I, but I do love the intro. I'm such a like, sucker for synthesizers. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> I love the 
those weird like disco bells like i i just something about them just like really hits for me i love a disco bell i felt the like electricity in my brain i'll tell you i i have a hard time with with this kind of like dance music especially dance remixes but the more I listened to this, I think the more I appreciated it. I, I think Gloria Gaynor is one of those people that like, because I Will Survive is such a massive and iconic song in like the disco world that she kind of gets overlooked because disco gets overlooked. But I mean, she's incredibly good at, at like this. And, like, oh, yeah. is that an easy thing to be good at? This is really dorky, but like I, I also think it's cool how she's like a little behind the beat, I think. And so it sounds like her voice is like dragging. Yeah. And I don't know, it like adds something to like the you know? Yeah, it's almost like she's like holding the notes to like hope that it catches up to her. Yeah. Yeah, like a power move. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, you will find me. <laughs> I mean, it makes me want to go to a club in the 90s. Yeah, right? The only time I ever wanted to go to a club. <laughs> I do also really like the dissonance. Because I feel like the original really one ever once that I've heard, like, you can't tell that it's sad lyrics. And I think it's because, like, it's such a, it has such a bittersweet meaning, like, with her and her manager. So I like that. I don't know. I kind of enjoy that. It's, like, so upbeat and fun, but then it's, like, if you actually listen to it, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's a great point. It kind of captures that feeling of like, I will always love, like, I still love you. I'm sad that I, I can't be with you, but. Yeah, there is that very important part of this song, and especially like thinking about it in the context of like, she left and wrote Light of a Clear Blue, Clear Blue Morning. They're like, there's also a lot of positive to this. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're like, yes, this moment is sad because it needs to happen. But like the reasons I'm doing this are good for me. That's a great point. Yeah, it's kind of like it, it's like it has that cathartic feel that maybe the other yeah. ones other than Dolly's doesn't necessarily have. I think I like I it even better now. <laughs> Just imagine someone in the middle of the club, like just coming to terms with their breakup and just hi, yeah. Molly. Hi, <laughs> Molly. Just looking at the ceiling. Like, and I. Only way to listen to Dolly. <laughs> Picture that the Gloria Gaynor block where it's, it's this song. And then maybe the next best breakup song, I will survive. You just play them back to back and you're just oh. like, I'm good. I'm ready to face tomorrow. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what this fits with is that, you know, the Robin song, uh, Dancing on My Own. That's yeah, what I was yeah. just thinking of. Yes. It feels like that. Like, right? like uh, you could see that it has like almost a similar vibe. It, it is weird. I had to confirm this song came out in 1994. <laughs> like, yeah. at, at the same time, Leanne Rhymes was breaking and did her own cover of this song, which talk about disingenuous. It was sung by a child. Yeah. It, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like it. it yeah. Yeah. I did not. It had a hard time making the list. 
Yeah, Le- Leanne Rimes, as people probably know her most from Mess Singer, she was the son. Anyway, that's the only reason I brought her up so I could throw that out there. Are you ready to get into our number one? Absolutely. Yes. What could it possibly be? <laughs> it's obviously the Whitney Houston cover. Me first and then Gimme Gimme, so I didn't make the list. No, they have their own special moment coming up, don't worry. We've we've been, we've been waiting for this for so long, man. Yeah. I know. <laughs> man, picture 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 playing me first before this, and then this, and then having nothing like me first to play after this. Me first had to come after. <laughs> yeah, this one just bit. this one just has so much nostalgia attached to it for me. Because it was the one I was introduced to. I had the CD. It was on our karaoke machine. <laughs> it was just. I don't think I came to appreciate Whitney Houston until, like, I was much older. So hearing a song where, like, it th- this song, this version of this song is the highest selling song by a female artist of all time. It. That's incredible. This song in the 90s made Dolly Parton $10 million. That's how big this song was. That's, that's how she was able to buy her ex's production company and just give it back to him without thinking twice about it. I mean, that is awesome. That is a, yeah, that is an absolute baller move. <laughs> I, I, like, I, yeah, I came into it with a lot well, of preconceived hold notions. Hold on, wait. Okay. Right here. This is the part. Yeah. Like, that, that part is undeniable to me. And it's not even about her voice coming in so powerful after it. And it's just like, this song could be over right now. But it's just like, hold on, let me just drop this real quick and just show off. Yeah, and this is even before the key change when it goes up a little bit. Yeah. yeah. She just hits every note so perfectly. And I was describing to John earlier, it's like every note is an eargasm. I, I understand why every competition reality show has a version of this song. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's technically a great song. That's what makes it hard for me to be like, I love it and I want to listen to it all the time. Like, I get it. It's technically great. Like, you're hitting me over the head with it. I, I don't. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Enough already. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I just hear that, and it just, it just, I just picture somebody like doing a cannonball, where like you see them go into the water, and like that's not the splash. They hit the water, you hear it. That's the boom, and then just the eruption after that, like a second later, it, it just feels so big to me. Yeah, and like. I think, yeah, I think I had so many preconceived notions. I, I, I had to listen to it several times over the last few weeks. And like, I think the more I listen to it, the more I'm starting to see it in a new light. And I'm like, just beginning to appreciate it. Like you said you, you didn't start to appreciate Whitney until you were an adult, at least. Yeah, because I, I, I knew like, How Will I Know, which is like a good song, but it's not really her showing off. And then hearing her as an adult just be like, no, I can do whatever I want with my voice, and it just blows me away every time. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe in my 40s, maybe in my 40s I'll come around <laughs> at the rate that, that I'm going. You're not that far away. <laughs> no, so <laughs> hit me back in a few more years. 
Yeah, to to hear David Foster talk about it again, David Foster, the banana from the mass singer, he he talks about that moment and you can tell like he knew what he was doing. Like he he knew that like this moment was going to just like shatter people's expectations of what a voice can do, what a song can do. And like he's so cocky about it and it's kind of cool. <laughs> Yeah, no, it is amazing. I mean, I want to play. Um, so you said before this inspired a million singing competitions. Uh, there is one from a Taiwanese uh, singing competition, like 10, 2010. Okay. Um, it's like a boy, um, like a, uh, I mean, a child, uh, a, a child sang this. His name is Lin, Lin Yu Chen. Um, I believe that was on Meg's list towards the bottom of it, right? I liked it. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Did, did you, so like, okay, so you couldn't put Whitney up there, Meg. Did, did this rank higher? <laughs> oh, she, no. she still had Whitney ranked higher. I, 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 can, I can confirm that. <laughs> I mean, it's almost exactly the same, right? <laughs> I was going to say, this just blows my mind that this is like a young man singing. I'm not going to lie. His picture on Spotify was really sold me too. I was like, oh, I just like the way this guy looks. I just like him. <laughs> I don't He's think so I saw adorable. the picture. He's so adorable. He's his little round bowl cut. Yeah. <laughs> the album cover isn't a bowl cut. It's just a straight across oh. the forehead. But in the actual competition, the on the it's show, like a nice a bowl cut. Uh, crescent shape. And so he's got like a, it like frames his face as like a perfect circle. Um, he's like a child. I mean, he's a child. He's like kind of a chubby little child singing with Whitney Houston's voice. It just kind of has a bowl cut in the Spotify picture. He's like, his hand is on his face and there's like 80 microphones. It's so cute. I'm going to have to go go look at this. I, I, I heard this one when I was driving, so I didn't have it up in front of me. <laughs> yeah, without the backstory, it's like, you, you just skip over. You're like, oh yeah, now they're in Houston version. It's fine, whatever. Oh, I, um, I, I definitely think if I knew that that was a child, that that's probably cracking my top seven, just because that is insane. But that's not real. Like, that's not real. That's not how the world's supposed to work. Yeah, in the YouTube playlist, we'll include this one. Uh, it, it like in this one, it sounds a little more um, like the um, the pronunciation sounds more like Whitney. It sounds more like English, um, but at least to me, in the in the singing competition, it sounds a little bit more like phonetic, and it, which makes it sound way more impressive to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even while watching him sing it on the video, I still couldn't believe that he was singing it. It's amazing. It's just such a disconnect between his voice and his appearance. Yeah, I definitely, I can't wait to, to see that version of it. Like, <laughs> I'm so interested in this person now. That like, seriously, a chat, like where, where are they now? What is their, their 12 years later life like? Like they can That's sing like that question. 10 years ago. I feel like I had a hard time putting Whitney Houston first because she's like, it, it's unfair, but it was like, she was the baseline. I was like, okay, this is the oh, yeah. start. And then like the stuff that I picked first and second and third were like, oh, wow. Like this, 
makes me feel other things. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, I know this. It doesn't, I don't know. Definitely. All right. Are you ready to, to jump into our, our segments here? We kind of touched on it earlier by having a, a, a foreign language cover crack our actual list today, but we're, we're jumping into, did it, did it make it to other languages? And of course the song made it to other languages. It made it to basically every other language has <laughs> been recorded by so many people in so many different countries. The one that jumped out to me that I really liked the Il Divo one, which it's a it's a name I've seen a thousand times because they seem to cover every song that sounds kind of like this. But I really liked their voices on this one. The, the, the vibrato plus heavy reverb. trying to take it in i feel like this is very similar to all the other ones <laughs> now the, the the part and when i when i put the clips in later i'll just jump to it because i i don't know have the timestamp. but they they have their own own boom moment in this one where they just start singing in english <laughs> then they sing there it is <laughs> As that song progresses, dude. it just gets more and more full. There, more instruments come in, more voices come in, and then it hits that that last chorus, and all of a sudden, the reverb is stronger than ever, and all these voices are singing, and it is fully in English for no particular reason. They just they're like, if we're gonna do this part, we're gonna do the the English part. <laughs> we're just gonna do it. But, <laughs> I yeah. thought for sure you were gonna mention the the Jean Root. Jean Rutt song. Oh, go uh, for it. I, I, I forget what language this is. Is it Dutch? Maybe. Is this from the Netherlands, right? I think I so. It's got that, like, it sounds familiar if you listen to the show before. There's a. It's like got a, it's a lot of cheese to it, the, you know. The, 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 the Flemmy enunciation is great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was gonna say the guttural. It just didn't translate well for me in this language. <laughs> it doesn't. There's a part like skip through where he he kind of gives up a little. <laughs> I mean. I mean, honestly, oh, you know it, no, it's the talking part. It does the talking part. And, uh, oh, beautiful. Yeah, and, and it it does not translate. I was going to say, if anybody has listened to every episode of the show at this point, they should know that it's when people give up and do something weird that I really gravitate to. <laughs> <laughs> Originally, I had this on my list, and then eventually I was like, I can in good faith put this higher than any of these <laughs> It's fun though. He has a fun voice. I would love this. Going back to the scenes in a movie kind of thing. 
if this was just like on in a cafe, like it doesn't even have to be a breakup scene. Like it could be like foreshadowing a breakup or whatever, but like it would just be on in a cafe and they could like kind of barely recognize that like, isn't this, I will always love you. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, is that all the, the foreign language ones we're throwing out there today? I think so. All right. Well, we'll jump through the next two because Weird Al didn't touch it. And um, it has been sampled, but uh, we don't need to talk about Chris Brown. And it brings me to the part that I've been waiting the entire show for because it it was my my number two. And I just had to pretend like it wasn't. And honestly, with all of our rankings, it came in as our number three overall. It is the Me First in a Gimme Gimme's cover. And we got a Me First version. This is later in their career, and it has every single Me First trope, and I yes. could not be more on board. I love it. <laughs> this is in a 90s high school movie somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that... it's definitely, yeah, this definitely took me to, like, freshman year of college. When I thought I was like punk emo, <laughs> rock me out of my dorm room. <laughs> yeah, on on Kazaa, like, frantically looking for punk covers of songs you already know. Yeah, or or LimeWire. <laughs> yeah, this this is on the wonderfully titled album, which came out in 2014. I want to say. Oh, I can't wow, believe okay. they were still putting yeah. out albums, though. I, I think it is still their most recent. I don't think they've had one since. No, they had a Greatest Hits, which is amazing for a cover band. They had a, they had a Greatest Hits that came out <laughs> in 2017, which that makes me so happy. But uh, <laughs> the, the album is called Are We Not Men? We Are Diva, which is a play on the Devo album, Are We Not Men? We Are Devo. But it is a whole album of diva covers. So it's got like straight up and beautiful and my heart will go on and I will survive and every single one of them rules. It's a fun one. I, I, I feel like it does, it's not one of me first best, but they do pull out all the me first stops. The 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 vocal decay the weird high notes it, it's all in there <laughs> the breakdown in the middle yeah the 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 quick stops and all that stuff it's it's me first to to a t and i could not love it more <laughs> to to love me first is to love that song because if you don't love that song what are you what are you here for for the rest of it <laughs> it has it all <laughs> also one of the best bands i've ever seen live because they either are or are really good at pretending to be very drunk and like the worst version of lounge singers. It is a great show. <laughs> I can't imagine. Yeah. I don't, I don't think many bands pretend to be drunk. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they have the whole like kind of shiny suit thing going on and everything where I'm like, you could be Dean Martin or you could be everybody else on a Dean Martin roast. I don't know which one you are here, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's it. We, we made it through our I Will Always Love You episode. 
Thank you guys. Thank you guys for being here, <laughs> Megan, Caitlin, and and baby. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, he didn't make too much of a ruckus. Yeah, he'll show up a couple of times, I think. But yeah, <laughs> a, a welcomed inclusion over a handful of the songs. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thank you, and we'll see thanks everybody so next week. We'll be, we'll be yeah, back next week with uh, David Bowie, right? Oh, This has been a presentation from the Wasted Robot Network. For more information, and links to other shows please visit www.wastedrobotrecords.com slash podcasts.